0: And as you heard me say last week, and as you maybe read in the email that we sent out this week, we are going to press pause on our look at Micah 6-8 on the great requirement to focus on the greatest father of all time. And to do that, I'm so excited that we have a spiritual dad to me, Pastor Craig McLeod, who is the founding pastor of this church the father of this house, if you will. Uh, You know that Kelly and I lost our dads at a very young age, and so he has stepped into the role of father to me and to Kelly, and he is pa to our boys. Uh, He's a spiritual father. He's one of my pastors. And so as he prepares to take the stage, Life Church Buffalo, will you please give a warm welcome and show some love to my friend, my father, my pastor, Craig McLeod. Will you come and share God's word with us today? Love it. Thanks. Wow.
1: Thank you so much. This is awesome. Um, boy, Pete, when you said that about, you know, your dad's being gone and, you know, and, and I, I, I had to go back in time because uh, when Kelly's mother moved to Florida, she said, this is many years ago, you need to look after my daughter. And I had hired Kelly in that role that she had at the time. And so I was very protective, especially for those big bad boys chasing after her. (laughs) Had to take one to the back room and say, back off. That was fun, man, that was fun. (laughs) And I just love telling it. Oh, I love telling it. Wow, okay. Uh, A lot of history, a lot of history. It's so good to be here today. I'm so excited. Just pray for me because there's detail here today, and so I'm going to use my notes. Today, I'm going to save some things that I've said before. But of course, that won't matter much because most of you weren't here when I said it. (laughs) How many of you were here when I was pastoring? Can I just see hands? Ooh, more than I thought. Okay. You come to the first service. That's what's going on. All right. All right. How many of you were not here when I was pastoring? Okay, well, that may be more. All right. I'm learning. Hey, man, what that's been six years ago. What the Lord has been doing in this place is so awesome. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm humbled. Um, I'm, I'm uh, overwhelmed just at God's goodness and just what he does, you know. And uh, sometimes you just have to get out of the way, and that's what I had to do. I mean, I, I know that's a... You know, there's a lot there. There's a whole... I should write a book on it. I should write a book on it, on transition. Uh, because what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing God does when you're willing to just walk through the narrow path of what He's calling you to do. Um, well, today I'm going to say some things that I've said before. I'm also going to say some things that I have never said before. You know, the, the wonder of heaven on earth is that God is continually revealing himself to us. And, and in the scripture, you know, the Bible uh, is, is a, a book. It's many books. And you can read it through, but you can't read it like any other book. You can't read it and say, uh, boy, that was good, and put it down. And and then maybe on a rainy day, pick it back up and read it again. Because there's so much there. In fact, there's so much there that you're never going to really fully discover Everything that's in it. See that that's the thing. And as I dig more into it, then I discover things that just blow me away. And I'm telling you, it's been probably a couple of years that I discovered what I'm about to show you today. And I've been praying and telling Carol, I've gotta preach this somewhere. (laughs) And then thank you, Pete, (laughs) for calling me to come or to come and be here today and and speak on what I'm speaking on because because it gives me that opportunity. What a wonderful discovery I made. Okay, so you will always be digging into the God script, the God you script. Now, I know you notice that is a word you're not used to, God you script. Uh, I thought that maybe that was better than the word manuscript, because, you know, the Bible was not written by man. Well, it was written by man, but man was not the author. God was the author. Look, I had five kids. I have 10 grandkids. You come up with new words when you've had 10 grandkids, okay? So, uh, so God, your God you script has more discovery in it. Um, John 16, I won't, use, I won't tell you the verse, but in John chapter 16, Jesus said, I have yet many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. He wanted to say some things to his disciples that he couldn't say because they would not be able to handle it. And that's, that's our life with him. There's so much more. I mean, you read the Bible and you go, I know what you're saying here, Lord, but man, do I understand it? I mean, how does that really happen how is it that we become the righteousness of God in Christ? I mean, what, how does that really happen? How is it that Jesus took on the sins of the whole world? I don't know. I mean, we can't explain all of that because there's so much that if he actually told us, we wouldn't be able to handle it. There's so much more that we can discover if we continue to dig in. So get ready this morning. I'm going to mess with your theology. Okay, you ready? All right, you know, brace yourself. I'm even going to change the title of the message. The title of the message is that uh, the, he's the greatest, the greatest father of all time, which is Father God. I'm going to change the title slightly. The father is the goat. The father is the greatest of all time. The Father is the greatest. There is no greater than the Father. And we're talking about God here. And it's He that meets every need and makes me the person that He's created me to be. And only He. Now, you're going to say, some of you say, now, wait a minute, Craig. We're dealing with the Trinity here, there's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe the three are one, and you know, try to explain this one. You know, I've tried to explain it to many people, and I get to the point of realizing that you cannot really explain it. How is the Son the Son and still God? You know, are they equal, co-equal? If you you write this out on uh, a piece of paper, as many have done for their you know, belief statements for churches, and we write out a statement about the Trinity. And we have this neat little statement here, but it doesn't really even touch the surface of what that really means and the dynamic of it because we can't understand that dynamic. But today we need to understand it a little deeper than we have. Let me read this verse to you again. This is John chapter 14 to 20. And if you want to turn to a, if you actually have a Bible, then, you know, turn to John chapter 14, but we're going to look at verse 28 first. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Well, wait just a minute. Co equal. How is it that Jesus, actually, Jesus submitted to the Father? There's one implication that. Only God knows when the end thing happens, and you know and jesus didn't even know i mean that's there's an implication of that there's there's you know this submission only what the Father says and does, do I do or say there's a submission to the authority sounds like above him. the Father is greater than I, so you and I, we can't miss this dynamic that's the problem with theology is that We lock into a statement. You know, one denomination, a guy who started a major denomination back in the 1800s said, there will never, of course, they didn't obey this, there will never be a statement of faith for this denomination because the Bible is the statement of faith. And that's so good because we get in arguments about what about this, what about that. We can learn from one another, but we have to go back to the Bible and see what it really says if we're going to dig deeper than the surface theological statement that we've come up with. And people will ask me, well, do you believe this or that? And I'll say, well, that word's not in the Bible. That word's not in the Bible. Let's talk about what's in the Bible. See? All right. So I believe in their trinity. In fact, if I had to explain it, I would say it this way. They're co-equal. In authority, in fact, Jesus said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So they're co-equal in authority, especially when it relates to us. But they're not co-equal in their dynamic with one another. Jesus submitted to the Father. He prays even now to the Father. There, There are things here in the Scripture that need to draw us into something that we tend to miss. The point is this. Because of our neat little theological statement concerning the Trinity, we underestimate the need for a distinct relationship with the Father. If you're, You know, we pray and we pray. I did it this morning. Pray, Jesus, Jesus, Father, Father, Jesus, Jesus. We go back and forth. And that's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong at all. But I'm, often we miss the distinction of our relationship with Father. and We need to get there. She's a high school friend that I celebrated my 50th <laughs> high school reunion. And, um, and she was sitting across the table from me and, and there was a whole group there, you know, and they all know, you know, here comes the pastor. And so uh, we were friends in high school and she looked at me and she said, now I have a question for you. What, uh, why is it, that I have to go through Jesus to get to God. Why, why do I have to do that? Because why is he in the way, in other words? And, you know, I began to understand what her belief system was. You know, there were many ways to God, that kind of thing. And so I said to her, I said, Jean, 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 it's the other way around. I said, Jesus came to take out of the way what was in the way between us and God. Jesus came to take sin out of the way and lead us to the Father. See. So we've, we've got to get to the point here in our relationship with God that we focus specifically on our relationship with the Father. All right, John chapter 14, here comes the Bible study quick, verse 1. By the way, this is, this is five, there are five chapters, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's all one evening. It's the evening before Jesus is crucified. And so that whole, that whole evening in the Scripture is a context. And so when you read things in this, and you, you can't just pull out a verse. You've got to look at the context and see what's there. Because I'm going to mess with your theology this morning. But I, hey, hang with me. Don't walk out the door. Don't say that I'm in error. And don't go into all of that, please. You can email me later and, and just spill out, spill out the beans. Yeah, just go ahead. Or, uh, say whatever you want to say. It's all right. But hang with me. Because I'm going to stick with the scripture. Here we go. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That's a little troubling right there. Believe in God. believe. Wait, so aren't you God? You see, it gets really tricky in here. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, i go to prepare a place for you. And here, here's the revelation that began to... Pour out to me when I begin to study the Greek. You know, by the way, I didn't take Greek, you know, so I have to use tools. But what the Greek says here is absolutely incredible. The word mansions is not even in the Greek. Give me a break. Like, you know, Jesus is up there building a mansion for me. That word is money. It's the word dwelling. It's not not a physical place. It's not a house. In fact, look at the first part. In my father's house, in my father. And the word house is not house. That word is oikos, and that word actually means in my father's family dwelling. So think about the whole family of God together. In my father's family dwellings. It's about the dwelling, not about a place. Watch. In my father's dwelling are many dwellings. In my father's family dwelling are many dwellings. If it were not so, no, wait. Yeah, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You want the word place? Those three words are awesome. They all three have a secondary or a One has the primary, two have the secondary meaning of dwelling. But look at that. I go to prepare a place for you. But that word place there actually means to prepare a space marked off for you. I, I go to prepare a place, a space marked off for you. Let's keep reading. By the way, is he talking about when I get to heaven? Or something else? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, when is that? Is that is he talking about heaven there? Well, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, I'll receive you to myself That where I am, there you may be also. Well, that's what we thought all these years reading that scripture. I'm messing with you now. So hang on. Here we go. I'm submitting it to you. Or after reading the context of the next few verses, is he talking about something that is about to happen within a few days? told you I was going to mess with you. Verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, or how can we know the way? And Jesus said, the verse that we all quote, probably, if you've been a Christian very long, and somebody asks you, you know, what is the way? And here it is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let me ask you a question. When he said that, was he talking about after we die, we come to the Father? Or is he talking about salvation? When no one comes to the Father but through me, is he talking about salvation? Of course he is. We've always used it that way, haven't we? Because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about my coming to the Father when I come to Christ, when I come to Christ. When I I accept Christ, when I become a Christian, that's what he's talking about. And that's the context of this whole chapter. I'm going to show you. He's not just talking about when we get, he's talking about a dwelling with the Father that he's about to arrange right now. Look at that verse again. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to... See, we've quoted that and we said, here's how you get to heaven. That's not what it says. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came to lead us to the Father. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. You know, some people said, well, there you go. You know, they're one and the same. They are one and the, they are in unity. They are one. But he's not the Father and the Father's not him. He's in the Father and the Father is in him. And then Philip said it, man. Philip didn't even even know what he was saying, verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. This is the cry of every heart. And this is what we have to realize this morning, is that when God created, from the very beginning of creation, when God created man, he put inside of him something that had a need. It described every desire, every attempt to be fulfilled, could only be fulfilled in, their, in, in our relationship with the Father. That's what he's saying. Look at look what Philip said. Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Ultimately, that's all I need. That's why it's so important for me to focus on my relationship with the Father. You know, it's been said... That difficult issues in our life basically come from insufficient relationship with our fathers, or our fathers weren't all that good, or we didn't have a father. I've got some news for you this morning. There's no perfect father on the planet. I certainly was not a perfect father. I have regrets. Yes, of some things that I've done, I yelled a little too loudly at a couple of my boys. Let's not get into that story. I've done some things I didn't, I shouldn't have done. But mostly, there are a lot of things I should have done that I didn't do. And I regret that. I deal with it all the time. But the truth is that the empty place in your heart is never going to be fulfilled by your earthly father. Because that wasn't the point doesn't matter. Some of you have not even had a father. You probably have the greatest opportunity of anyone to be filled without some of the things that get in the way to be filled with the father and his love and his character and his nature. We were created not We'll never be satisfied. I had a really terrific father. And, and I find myself still talking to him. Dad, why didn't you teach me this? Why didn't you teach me that? So go ahead, forgive your father. Would you please? And give your heart to the father. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. He's actually revealing the difference between he and the Father there. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe it for the sake of the works. In other words, I know this is hard for you to believe. Just believe it. Would you just believe it? I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. I know you. I can't really explain it. You would never be able to fully understand it, but it's true. I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and that's so important. It's really important for what He's about to say later on, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He He may abide with you forever. And remember, we're focusing what Jesus says about the Father. So, when Jesus prays, I want to change your thinking on something. When Jesus prays, he's not praying to himself. You know how we've said that? You know, Jesus will pray. Well, he's praying to himself because he's God. No, Jesus was not praying to himself, he was praying to the Father. Okay? Now look at verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. He dwells with you. By the way, that dwelling is actually a different word that means remains, abide. It stays, talking about the Holy Spirit here, and will be in you. He's been with you. He's about to be in you. Do you see what Jesus is talking about? He's not talking about future way down the road. He's not talking about when they die. He's talking about what's about to happen. So then he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you what's he talking about? Is he talking about the 40 days he was on the planet with them after the resurrection? Is he talking about when they get to heaven? When is he talking about this? That uh, I I, I will not leave you orphans. He's talking about the Holy Spirit at the same time. Do you see? It's hard to understand, but do you see it? I'm coming back to you. I'm not just going to stay in heaven, but because the Holy Spirit's coming, I'm coming back to you. You understand? And a little while longer... And the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. How will they see him? Yes, they saw him. Is that the 40 days? Is it you will see me when we get to heaven? Or is he saying something else that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will see me? We talk about putting our eyes on Jesus. What are we talking about? He's not talking about physically. He's talking about the fact that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm not just taking off here. I'm coming back in a few days. And when I come back, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, when I come back, I'm going to be in you. And when I'm in you, well, he even says more. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Look at verse 20. Skip, yeah, verse 20. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you and me and I knew. And what is that day? we're not going to know this until we get to heaven. no he's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes this whole chapter, then chapter fifteen, chapter sixteen, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit this is about what's about to happen that that at that day when this happens. You will know what I'm talking about. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had Jesus in her, you know, for nine months. But that was nothing compared to what she was going to discover on the day of Pentecost. She was in the room. That was nothing compared. And that day she realized he's in the Father. Look at this now. You will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Think about it now. Look, I am in my Father. What's happening here? You're going to realize on that day that I have, you are in me, I'm in you and I'm taking you to the Father. I'm going to be in the Father and you're going to be in me. I'm bringing you to the Father. That's what he's saying. He's saying that this life that He's given us with the presence of, of the Holy Spirit and His being here with us is actually, you know, that, that we will uh, we'll begin to know it with even without understanding it that boy, there's something going on inside of me. I'm not a Christian because I read my Bible, I'm not a Christian because I'm a good guy, I'm not a Christian because I say I'm one, really. I mean, that's how you get there by faith. But listen, I know it because I know him. It's not an it. I know him, you, I can't explain that to you unless you are, unless you understand it already. That's what he's talking about. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and the father will love him. Now watch, here we go. Climatic point. This is where it came alive to me. Here we go. He said, keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. This, By the way, this is an individual. Go back and look. If anyone loves me, he's talking about individually now. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will. The Father and I will come to you and make our home with you. You know what that word home is? It's the word that is wrongly translated as the mansion. It's the money. It's the dwelling. My Father and I will come and we will make our dwelling with you. Come on now. Somebody get excited about that. I mean... This this is a powerful, powerful truth. We think we've got to pray hard for Jesus to be with us. We've got to pray hard so that we can realize he's with us. We pray for the Holy Spirit to come down. I'm sorry, the worship songs bother me at times because the Holy Spirit's already within me. (laughs) I'm praying for him to come out, not to come down. I'm praying for him to live his life out through me. To get the stuff out of the way so that he can come forward in my life. Understand? This is the promise. This is the promise. This is of the whole discussion he's having with him. This is the promise. We're going to make our home with you. I'm not just going to take you. I'm not just going to create a space for you in his home. Look, I'm bringing the Father to you. We're going to make our money with you. He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about after we die. This whole chapter, put it together. That dwelling, listen. All right. I have a place with the Father. Jesus went and he created some space for me in the family dynamic of the Father. I have a dwelling with the Father right now, and it's my space, and you can't get in it. It's mine. I can get up every morning. His mercies are new every morning. I can go into that place boldly every morning. I don't care how mean I was the day before. I can go into that space that He's created for me, and it's mine, and it changes my life, And my heart and and the love of God is poured out in that space. That's my space. And you've got one too. You've got one too. That's your space. You have a place with the Father. Wow. Okay, so let's answer this question. How do we get into the space? I mean, we're there. But how do we spiritually how do we get there here it goes i'm going to have to do this quickly cuz i got to tell you a story here we go first we get there boldly hebrews 4:16 let us therefore come boldly and that scripture's not on the screen but i quote it all the time let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need come boldly don't don't clean up to go into his presence Go into his presence to get cleaned up. You just boldly, I don't care what's happened, who you are, what you said, what you did. The answer to a change is for you to boldly go into his presence. That's why when you come in here, you worship. doesn't matter what's been going on. You worship because we boldly come into his presence. Call him, number two, call him by his preferred name. He now has a preferred name. Jesus, straightened it out. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father, pray our Father. This is how you pray. I mean, you want to know how to pray? Father. That's where it starts. I can't tell you how important it is to call Him Father. If if we don't learn to say Father, then we don't know His authority. And so therefore we think we're an authority and we don't really need Him. We don't even really need to pray. If we don't learn to say, Father, then we have no true intimate connection with the Father. We've got to say, when we pray, Jesus said it, and when he prayed, he said, Father. He called out the preferred name. The Jews wouldn't even mention, they wouldn't say the name of God, even today. If we don't learn to say, Father then we can't really pray because Jesus said, this is how you pray. So let's do it right now. Just, let's just say his name, Father. Come on, Father. Now just understand you're, you've just addressed him. Father, something happens to me when I do that. I love Jesus too, by the way, and I love talking to Jesus. My brother, the Bible says, actually, and he's my king and my Lord. And I'm not, you know, I'm not dissing Jesus this morning. You understand, I'm folks because Jesus came to bring us to the Father. So let's get this right. Father, calling him Father changes my, my heart, starts to get in the right place. And then worship him with all your heart. He's still holy, hallowed be thy name. Humble ourselves, submit to him. Give Him access to your spirit, soul, and body. Just give Him access. Submit your life. This is how you get into that space. And then last, don't leave it out. Obey Him. And that's when people think, oh, He does have a big stick. No, to obey Him is to translate His purposes into your life. This is how you become who you're supposed to become and be who you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do is to obey him. You know that word, uh, you know, the word Abba, Father, is in the scripture three times, and we've said that it means daddy. It only partially means daddy. That word, uh, that word, it's an awesome study. The word Abba actually means intimacy. It's a term of endearment of intimacy and submission to obedience. And so a father would even say to his son, a Jewish father would even say to his son, now son, because he would he would explain to him now this is what you do, and say, now son, address me as Abba Father. So that child-father relationship, the intimacy is there, but that response is it's what Jesus said. He said it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Abba Father, and He said, He said, Would you let this cup pass from me? But not my will, but your will. That's what that Abba means, obedience. All right, how does this relationship with the Father change my life? And um, I'm going to tell you a story. It's my favorite story. I've told you this story. If you've been with me very long as a pastor, you will have heard this story. It's called, are you ready? Anybody want to call it out? The Salt Story. Anybody remember the Salt Story? Only a few. Good, good, good. Here we go. This story means so much to me. I was in the seventh grade, 12 years old, that I've written a little booklet. I printed it at Kinkos, and it's, it's not for sale. In fact, the reason I printed this, hundreds of copies, is that I travel the world. I travel to India a lot. I travel, you know, uh, remember Bobby Gupta here a few weeks ago? You know, Bobby Gupta and I work together. I represent the ministry in the India. I represent in the U.S. So I go to India. I go all over America. I'm gone a lot uh, traveling. And so I'm with people on an airplane, and especially Uber. I love Uber drivers because it's a 20-minute, 30-minute drive, and I've got plenty of time, see. And so, so, <laughs> and so I just, you know, God just gives it to me. It's, it's it's really incredible how He just gives it to me. It just lands in my lap. And then always at the end, I'm able to say, hey, listen, um, you know, I've just got this little thing I wrote about, I did something bad in the seventh grade, and And uh, it was really bad. But I learned from this experience about just how much God really loves me. I learned a lot about God being my father. That's what I say. And so I'm passing this thing out all over the place, the father's love. When I was in seventh grade, I was um, in the cafeteria. It was the beginning of the year. And I, you know, you want to be, peer pressure was strong. I just, I wanted to be, you know, accepted. And I was with this guy that was kind of the, Big man on campus, you know, sitting at the table with me. And he turns to me and he says, hey, he says, I dare you to put salt in your hands and walk up to the counter where you put your tray and silverware in the dish. And there's a lady standing behind there and she's, you know, washing the dishes. And so I dare you to put salt in your hands, walk up and throw the salt on her. I said, well, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that. He said, I tell you what, if I do it first, will you do it after me? I thought, Sure. I mean, first of all, he's not going to do it, right? I mean, if he does it, he's in trouble. I'm not going to do it after he gets in trouble. And then secondly, you know, if he does it, he's going to create a big stir. And so I'm just, you know, I know I'm not going to have to throw the salt. So sure, you throw it first, I'll throw it. So we go up to the counter. He steps to the side so he can't, she can't see his face. And he flings his hand. He runs out the door. And uh, I look at her. I'm right behind him. Look at her. If she didn't move, she kept... You know, doing what she and I thought. Wow, she didn't even feel it. It's just salt. She didn't even feel it. You know, in a moment's time, you have to make a decision. And so, in the moment's time, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be more. I'm going to be like the big man on campus. I'm going to be accepted. I didn't really think all those words, but you know. And so, without thinking, (laughs) I did the same thing he did. Threw the salt, ran out the door. That afternoon, it's a Friday afternoon. I'm sitting in class, and all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, Mrs. Johnson. Would you please send Susie to the office? And so Susie, who never gets in trouble for anything, goes to the office and and she comes back and she comes in the room and she looks at me and then she sits down. Second time, Mrs. Johnson, would you please send Caitlin to the office? Caitlin went to the office, she came back, looked at me, sat down. Then he overlaps. He says, Mrs. Johnson, would you please send Danny? Well, Danny's the other guy. He's the big man, the BMOC. And so Danny Danny goes to the office. He comes back. He comes back in. Well, I'm expecting him to come back in the room like, you know, troubled and, you know, repentant and upset and, you know, realizing that he had really messed up. And he walks in the door smiling, walks over, sits down. He looks at me. He says, man, are you in trouble? I said, what do you mean I'm in trouble? You did it too. He said, oh, no, I didn't. I held the salt in my hand. I didn't. I love Danny. Actually, Danny later in his adult life came to Christ. But I thought, oh boy. So over the loudspeaker. Principal, R. Hal Smith. Yes, sir. He was a tough one. He's a godly man. Very godly. And so over the loudspeaker, Mrs. Johnson, would you please send Craig McLeod to the office? So I go to the office. I'm in my Death march, the funeral march. I'm in the casket, and uh, I walk into the principal's office and I sit down at his table. He sends across, and well, he was very nice to me. Well, Craig, how you doing? You know, and then he said, you know, uh, I want, but I I would like to know. uh, I've heard a story, a story about some something that happened in the cafeteria today concerning salt. I said, I thought, well, you know, he doesn't know. (laughs) So I said. I said, "Oh no!" I said, "I've heard of seniors putting mustard in the salt shaker, but you know, I haven't really." No, that's that's not what I'm talking about. He said, "I tell you what." He said, "When you find out who did it, you tell them that they have three forms of punishment: one, they can have salt thrown in their own eyes; number two, they uh, have to apologize to the lady; or number three, they have to tell their parents." Yes, sir. When I find out who did it, I, I, will, I, will, I will tell them, and I walked out the room. Now, listen, that was, I was 12 years old. When I was six, I gave my heart to Christ, and I really did at six years old. And so it wasn't that I wasn't a Christian. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't all over me. On the way home, I had to walk home. Man, I was, I mean, we use the word conviction. There was a burn going on all over my body. And I got back home, and mother and daddy were at work. I had about an hour. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I thought, well, he's probably not there. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. So I just just picked up the phone, really scared of what was going to happen. And I picked up the phone, and I called Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, he was there. Mr. Smith, crying, I said, I'm the one who did it. Well, Craig, I knew it was you, son. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to confess it. Wow. There's a wise man. I realized then I had been trapped by the st- strategic moves of a godly man. And after I hung up, I told him, I said, I, I, I should have had salt thrown on my own. That would have been the easiest, Right. I said, I, I don't want salt thrown in my eyes, but I, I know I have, to t- I have to apologize to Miss Ragland. And I know my, my parents are going to find out anyway. Small town. There were 70-some people in my class. And I said, uh, so I'll do that. So it's Friday afternoon. Sunday night at 11 o'clock, I'm laying in my bed. I still have not gotten the courage up to tell my parents. And my mother walks into the room. We, we, had Bible, we had prayer every night before I went to bed, and they heard me pray. And I don't know what I said, but my mother said, we knew something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, she came into the room, and she stood there, and she said, Well, Craig, what's going on? And I said, Well, I said, I told her what I did. And my mother, oh, my mother, she stood there holding it in, tears in her eyes. And she just looked at me and she said, well, son, you know what you've got to do. You have to go tell your daddy. And Daddy was in the room. It was 11 o'clock. He's watching the news. So I walked into the living room. I stood in front of my father. And I said, I told him what I did. My legs are shaking. I know now that I'm going to die. My dad was a disciplinarian boy. I know this is the end. And I'm I'm telling him for the first time I saw my daddy cry. And I cry every time I tell it. I saw something that day. I had not realized how much it hurt my father because of what I was going through. What this did to me and what it did to Miss Ragley. That was Sunday night. Monday, I skipped lunch. <laughs> I didn't want to see her, you know, with everybody around, so... I skipped lunch. I fasted, you might say. And then that night, that afternoon, I got on my bicycle and I rode to her house. Now listen, riding to her house. Now listen, I haven't told you this. Ms. Raglan was a different color than me. This was 1967. We had not even integrated yet as a school. There was a big billboard down the road in my county with a guy on a white horse reared up and, and the big cone hat on his head and And it said, this is KKK country. That's the culture I lived in. I was about to cross the tracks, that invisible wall that you don't cross. I was about to cross over the tracks. And I did, and I went to her house and walked up to the door, the screen door, the main door was open, nobody in the living room. I knock on the door, and Miss Ragland is in her kitchen. I find out later she's making, I think, biscuits. And she looks back over the door like this and sees me. She says, come in, and then comes back in. So I'm walking through the living room. I am scared spitless. And I go into her kitchen, and I stood there, and she's not looking at me. She's just doing this. And I stood there, and my knees are shaking, and all of that's happening. I'm not crying because i got to get through this. And so I said, Miss Raglan, I said, I'm the one. Who threw salt in your face? And I am so sorry. And she looks up at me and she says, Honey, I forgave you the moment you did it. And then she gave me this smirky little smile. I can't tell you, it was all gone. The load on me just. And I get out, and I get back on my bicycle, and I learn for the first time how to ride my bicycle without my handlebars. I was, I was praising God all the way home, you know. Just so thankful. Wow. Okay, listen, listen. God should, revealed himself. The Father revealed himself to me with Danny. That he's not so interested in what happens to me as much as what happens in me. We're so concerned, you know, we, we, we equate God with the circumstances that are going on in our lives. He's helping you in here how to respond to and actually influence and become an impact. Mr. Mr. Smith, come on. See, God wants to get through to the real you, and that's what Mr. Smith was doing. He knew that I was a fake in his office. But he didn't he didn't confront me in that. He he was weaving strategically with his wisdom to get inside to the real person that he knew was in there. The father is like that. He's coming in. That's why, you know, sometimes it's a process because the father is molding you. He's making you into a masterpiece. He's leading you to repentance and etc. My daddy, well, I learned, I didn't, I mean, mother told me he loved me, but he didn't say it very often. He did later on, after he got filled with the Holy Spirit. But my, my daddy, I learned that day, the Father loves me. The Father loves me. He weeps over these things in my life. He loves me that much. And Miss raglet, I tried desperately later on to track her down and couldn't find her. I mean, she showed me the Father with that simple state, I forgave you the moment you did it. The Father Look, Jesus went to the cross. The Father has forgiven you, but you've got to come into the place to receive it. You've got to come into his space. Jesus is taking you to the Father's lap. That's where he's taken us. And we've got to be right there to receive what we need to receive and get straight what we need to get straight, and we got to do it all the time. As we're growing, we're learning, we're digging to learn more about the Father. I just, closing, let's just close your eyes and just, let's just call His name Father. Father. Father, forgive us. Lord, for overlooking you through our theology. And not realizing just how important it was to call your name, to know you more intimately, to take the place of all that emptiness that, oh, we've blamed others for. We've blamed ourselves for. Oh, Lord, some of it's our fault, but you've paid the price for that. We thank you, Lord for wide, a wide-open throne room space with you. Lord, draw us into your lap. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for Pastor Craig? Greg, I've heard the salt story probably 10 times, if not more, sitting under your leadership those many years and it's never impacted me the way it did today. Thank you for showing us and sharing with us the Father's heart and the Father's love. Didn't expect to come to church and get wrecked today. Before I dismiss you guys, if you don't know the Father and you want to, don't leave today without talking to somebody about making that right. He's got a space carved out just for you with your name on it. It doesn't belong to anybody else. And When you come into that space, Jesus and the Father will make their dwelling in you. And we would love to help you walk through that process. We love you guys. As our Dream Team members get into position to serve you with excellence on your way out, don't forget about the raffle men. Fathers, take that card, uh, that raffle ticket, fill out your name, your phone number, and drop it into the baskets that the ushers will be holding uh, at the doors on your way out. Don't forget to get a picture with your family out in the courtyard here. Uh, We love you guys. I hope you have a great week. God bless, and we'll see you next Sunday.